I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... And I'm Handsome Drew. Yeah, it's fine. It was all wrong. It doesn't have to be true. I just have to say it with confidence. I learned that from presidents. Anyway. And this is not... And this is not... And this is not... This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to episode 92 of Not the Podcast You Deserve. This week on Not the Podcast You Deserve, we're breaking down episodes 3 and 4 of the new Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Guys, I guess you guys have both watched these episodes, and I'm assuming we have some stuff to talk about. Uh, But I want to lead off with, Drew Crawford, you're so wrong. Little Leia is (laughs) maybe my favorite actress of all time. She's killing it in this series, and I really, really liked her. So we're going to have lots of more Hot Sports opinions after that, uh, or beyond that, uh, here to come. We're talking about stuff we liked, stuff we didn't like, and some plot holes we might foresee coming in the future, mm-hmm. and where we think the uh, the series is going. Um, so, I guys, wanted to open up to you guys um, after watching episodes three and four. Let's stick with episode three right okay. now. What did you really like about episode three? Love that Zach Braff was in it. And <laughs> yeah, how about yeah, that? That was that was really great. And I knew I was endeared to that character from his opening line uh, right. when they. You know, little Leia, to your point, I think she does a phenomenal job in these two episodes. And uh, you know what? I might be eating my words here uh, from earlier on. She's doing a really good job. I think the main thing that pulled me out of her uh, as a uh, child actor early on was her outrunning all those bad guys, as we we had (laughs) previously talked about at nauseum. So I don't want to bring it up again, but... Um, that's more of a director choice, not her acting ability. And when she's just sitting there talking to people, she does sometimes still scenes. She's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, but when she tells that whole story to Freck and he just goes, well, that's a weird story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm in on this character. Love what's happening. Then I Googled yeah. it and said, oh, it's Zach Braff. I'm double in. Let's go. Give me more. Right. Double in, yeah, yeah. I think it's cool they've got one big cameo pretty much for every episode. Um, and then in that same episode, and she also comes back in episode four. Uh, the woman from Game of Thrones. Yes, yes, that's what she is in. I mean, she's in lots of stuff. And her name, she's in tons of stuff. And her name is Indira Varma, Varma. which was really close. Um, her, I think she's a phenomenal actress. Yeah. Phenomenal, everybody drink twice. Yeah. Um, she is a great actress. She's been in tons of stuff, but oh. most recently, I guess, Game of Thrones, um, where she played an awesome character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was really good in both episode three and episode four. And I think you do kind of need those cameos in this show um, for two reasons. One, because you have the little girl actress who is still just a child and she can only carry so much of a scene. Yeah. And then you've got Obi-Wan who has to be this kind of stoic um, Jedi figure that doesn't show much emotion. Right. Um, so you kind of have to have different cameos in there to mix it up a little bit, um, which I think they're doing a really good job with so far. Um, but my favorite part about episode three was that you do see um, Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor um, as Obi-Wan kind of start to break down right. uh, once he's learned that Anakin is alive and sees him again for the first time. And Ewan McGregor does a great job of conveying like, oh no, I messed up. This yeah. is not good. Yeah. He does a really great job with that. I, I was, Starting with... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing for me. Episode 3, specifically, I really love... You get to see the wheels starting to come off on Ben Kenobi. 
He's, mm-hmm. You can tell he's not trusting anybody, and he thinks he's been betrayed, and he's constantly looking over his shoulder. And it's really getting to him that Anakin's still alive, and he's you know there's a lot going on, and I think Ian McGregor does a great job portraying that. Yeah, and and I think one of the cooler intros to a bad guy that you can have it remind me a lot of Thanos breaking Loki's neck within the first three minutes of Avengers Infinity War when Darth Vader comes down and he's walking down that town and he pulls this girl out into the middle of the street and just breaks her neck with the force I have seen I think all of the Star Wars stuff (laughs) that was live action I don't think I've seen anyone force neck snap anyone yet Um, which was really cool intro but then when he doesn't do that to Obi-Wan later when he's got him in his grips. It's kind of like, well, you know. Or, you know, a lot, any other time in the 17 movies that have happened after this. Like, hey, you could have just broken that person's neck. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think I actually made this note. I was like, watching Darth Vader just randomly kill people definitely adds to his terrifyingness. Oh, like, sure, yeah. Because uh, I feel like it's easy to watch the episodes 4, 5, and 6 where... Technology wasn't that great. It's just a guy like in a bulky costume trying to like look cool with his hand out. And, you know, it was cool for the time, but it was really dependent on other people telling you this guy is really scary for it to be like super, super scary. He looks dope in this series. (laughs) Darth Vader looks awesome. And then him just walking down the street just randomly being like, you're dead. You're dead. I'm going to slash this thing open. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I'm really, scared. Yeah. Right. I really liked the parallels between Darth Vader's intro and the Inquisitor's intro of in episode one. It's like when the Inquisitors show up, it's them three, and they're walking through town. Everybody's scared. And they show up to that bar where they've heard stories of a Jedi. And the Grand Inquisitor does his whole little speech she's got prepared to draw out the Jedi. But when Darth Vader shows up, no, people are straight up. He's killing people left and right. He's dragging somebody. It's like ruthless and terrifying. And you are like, no, I need Obi-Wan to hop out there and save that person. But you know he can't. And it just adds a whole other layer to that level of I have to hold back all of my Jedi instincts because yeah. if I hop out there to save one person, one, I'm probably going to get killed. And two, if I get killed, I can't save Leia. And this is more important than one person's life, which is way more terrifying when Darth Vader is killing people left and right. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not just one person. It's three or four every minute or so you're hiding. And then towards the end of the episode, when uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin have um, their lightsaber battle and the sand dunes thing... First off, I thought the the way that was presented when the lightsabers come on and you see the reflection of the lightsaber off the sand yeah. Yeah. like hitting back on their face, I thought that was really, really cool yeah. and very, very well done. And a new look you haven't seen in Star Wars at this point. And after that, the uh, the scene of Anakin drag... Or I should call him Darth Vader now, I guess. <laughs> Darth Vader dragging Obi-Wan mm-hmm. through the open flame. I thought that was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um and and those are the kind of last good things I have about episode three. <laughs> Does anybody else have any good things to say about episode three? Uh, I liked the, the Reva stuff where she kind of finds the path and you start seeing her piece together some things and you start getting some more, what seems like some more character development on her. 
And I was a little confused on the geography of how she ends up on the other side of Leia on the tunnel. Yeah. That was a little confusing, but I did like that ending where Leia runs into her clutches instead of yeah, safety. Yeah, I saw that as well and just assumed in my brain that she walked in, saw the tunnel, said, I think I know where this is going, and then Jedi kick-flipped all the way over there <laughs> like she did in, Parkour this, yeah, all the way there. Like yeah. she did yeah. in the second episode where she just spent way too much energy than she needed to to just like yeah. flip and, and parkour all the way over there to then deliver a half-heartedly cool line. Yeah. Uh, um, I will say the one other cool thing, or uh, I guess good thing I liked about this, I really liked the loader droid. Uh, not, yeah. yeah. I, I thought he was great. Uh, I thought that his acting ability with no lines was better than like half the cast so far. So... Um, <laughs> Him just, like, gripping that hammer behind his back. And the only thing you know about him is the one line uh, that Varma says when she says, uh, actions speak louder than words. And all then the only thing you see about him is being ready to kill some Imperial troopers. It's like, yeah. I'm down with this guy. Let's see more loader droid. Star Wars does a really good job of making you feel a lot about droids that you never thought that you would before. There's always yeah. one. Yeah. Well, and that actually reminded me, that uh, standoff scene um, at the gate or checkpoint or whatever, uh, when it's everybody's held at gunpoint, he's like, drop your gun, and then Obi-Wan somehow drops it and picks it up and shoots the guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of lame, but I actually thought it was really well done. For you know what's going to happen as right. soon as that standoff takes place, you know, yeah. you know where it ends and you know how you get there. Um, but I thought it was it was fun. But that shot from the drone's perspective, as it like zooms in on his face, I was like, okay, I see you, Deborah Chow. This is cool. That was a cool yeah, scene. Yeah, that and the other one from the overhead view where the stormtrooper falls into the laser field and gets cut in half. I was like, yeah. oh yeah. dang, heck yeah, we've been. Told for years, implied for 40 years that these lasers are hot. You shouldn't touch them. But nobody actually touched them. To watch somebody go through it and get cut in half, I was like, oh, damn. Like, they're hot. (laughs) (laughs) And this actually knows in episode three as well. I'm 98% sure the Inquisitors theme that's playing uh, whenever they're introduced and whenever they show up is very similar to the Imperial March yeah. where I think it's the same notes but it's in a higher octave and but it just it doesn't complete it's that but it's like stringed violins and stuff and it's higher and it like it doesn't it never resolves which I think is pretty cool and I think Leia's theme is something similar to where it's very close to what Leia's theme is in the original trilogy and in the sequel trilogy now but it's they've they've it's like they've gotten the core of it, but they never let you finish on the same notes yeah. that they do finish in the original trilogy, which I think is pretty cool because this is like the developing of those characters, so it's their themes being developed. Um, I can't prove that musically, but to my untrained music ear, I'm to my untrained music ear, I'm pretty sure that's what they're going for. Um, anybody else have any good stuff to say before I get to some of my? My knocks on this uh, one. I, I did think this... It's maybe not good, maybe not bad. It's more neutral and just kind of funny. I did like that the age-old uh, Star Wars trope, I should say, of, ooh, hey, I 
hit the thing and it didn't work, so I'll just shoot it and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, yep. Still do that. And I also love that it's basically the same mechanic that Obi-Wan uses in Episode 4 to turn off the tractor beam. It's that same kind of like more like handle, mm-hmm. and he can't figure out how to use it right now, so he just shoots it. Uh, but yeah. then later on in Episode 4, as an old man, he actually knows how to use it. He hides, and he, he turns it off. And it's a good way of showing reverse character growth, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, you show him in a prequel yeah. not being able to do something that actually 40 years ago he did without thinking. So it's a I like the reverse engineering of that story arc. Mm-hmm. Which is maybe a, a cool uh, parallel to how... Obi-Wan first failed with Anakin, but then he succeeded with Luke, mm-hmm. um, even though he's only around for like the first 35 minutes of that movie, I guess, or maybe a little bit longer. But, maybe that's the point. Um, maybe oh, maybe le- he spent too much yeah. time with Anakin, and that was the problem. When you die early, <laughs> he just needed Luke, less time. Yeah, yeah you, like right. you can't ruin him. You know? That's a good point. The, the last good thing I want to mention about episode three, we talked about it a little bit, is the fight between Vader and Obi-Wan. You mentioned the lightsabers and the lighting is super cool, which it is. It's very cool to see them both kind of lit by their lightsabers mm-hmm. in the dark. But when Ben runs off and turns his lightsaber off and it's just dark and you like yeah. you don't like he could feel his fear, that was a legitimately pretty scary moment in the episode. Yeah. And you like don't know where Darth Vader is and he always seems to be coming from in front of you, yeah. which is terrifying and like really true to his character. I feel like from what I've heard in the comics and stuff in the Order 66 era of his Jedi hunting days, Darth Vader was straight up terrifying and just a yeah. force that is you can't get away from. So I thought they did a pretty good job until they do get away from him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you Star Wars nerds. Um, I believe when Obi-Wan is in like the, the secret underground tunnel thing, um, he reads something on the wall and says Quinlan was here? Yeah. Who is Quinlan? Should I know Quinlan? I think he shows up more in Rebels, and I don't I don't I didn't watch Rebels as much, but he's a pretty famous Jedi that gets a lot of time in the cartoons especially. Okay. Um he's got like a little yellow line across his nose. Um, okay. that's the big defining feature that I see him. Um but he's a cool dude. He he's he's a fan favorite for sure. Okay, so maybe they set that up for some future stuff then. Um, the The number one problem I had with episode three was after the first two episodes, which is, I don't know, let's exaggerate and say 75% of it is this little 10-year-old girl <laughs> outrunning all of these adults. Yeah. Episode three ends with her taking off and running away from the third sister. And I was, I was like, oh, well, she's obviously going to get away from her. And then episode four starts and she's like in chains yeah. and she's like been in cot. I was like, how did you outrun everyone and their mother for two and a half episodes and now you get caught? Like, oh, she's right. tired. Okay. She's tired. You know, you can't run that, forever. <laughs> that was my big one where I was like, oh, obviously she's going to get away. And then she didn't. Uh, but really, I thought the episode was actually really good front to back until they got to the scene where Game of Thrones girl... Like shoots, whatever, vibranium, and, like smoke, whatever. Yeah, and then she's able to like drag Obi Wan away after yeah. he was just in the clutches of Vader, yeah. who we now know 
can force neck snap yeah. and has just dragged him through fire. Like, I I don't know what a better answer is to that. I just kind of felt like, obviously, he's going to get away. Yeah. But, like, can we be creative about it? Right. Or at least not... I don't know. I, I, just, I didn't like it how was, that happened. It was the weakest part of the episode that Darth Vader, up until this point, has been an unstoppable force, and then he can't cross the fire... And it wasn't even like he was scared of the fire from his lava days or whatever. It was just, it seemed... You know that suit's got to be fireproof. (laughs) After you've lost all of your rings and burned all of every inch of your body. What kind of improvements would you like to your suit? It's like, well, by the fact that I'm burned and I don't have any of my extremities, I'm going to say fireproof? I'm going to say fireproof. That would be the one. Yeah. (laughs) Also, number two, if you could augment my voice. Yeah, to be... More James Earl Jonesy, that'd be great. My takeaway from the scene was that it seemed like Darth Vader let Obi Wan go away, get away, and I don't know why he would, but it did seem like he was just standing there, being like, "Yeah, you can run, but I will get you in the end." Like, but there was no reason that like, that fire, like, why didn't they run around it? No stormtrooper yeah. tried to get around. He just force jump over it. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. so many different ways. He has no legs anymore, so I, he didn't need. I don't know if his force jumping is great anymore. It is in the comics. He he's flipping all over the place and he's super strong. But there's no need for. Have you read these comics? Uh, I've seen panels of it. I haven't like gone to the store and bought them, but I've watched YouTube videos of people breaking them down, and they look very <laughs> interesting. But the, it's very clear that he could have stopped them, and so the fact that he didn't. The the nerd in me wants to believe there's a a reason for it, and so he's let them go away on purpose. But I just I just they don't explain why he would, and maybe yeah. we'll get that in episode six. I was, was right going to say we, the viewer in me was completely taken out of reality. I mean, as much as you can be at that moment, where it's like, oh great, there's fire now, and that's stopping you because. <laughs> Right. Well, and you know, this is all based on a trilogy where thousands of stormtroopers couldn't hit the broadside <laughs> oh, of the yeah. barn door. And, you know, and they the lean into that so. real hard in this series. Yeah. That like yeah. they are not being like, oh, they got and worse think, over the years. They're just immediately bad. And I think Dave Filoni talks a lot about how George Lucas's main thing with Star Wars is always Star Wars always should be for kids and for the idea that hope and love will win. Um, so when you do watch a Star Wars show or movie as an adult, you kind of have to bring that lens of this is, even though it's an adult story, it's told with all of the same hope, love, you know, things that you're supposed to be brought up to, to learn and to cherish. So when you think about it like that, there's a certain, I get it. The bad, the good, the bad guys can't win in episode three. It's not going to happen. Yeah, We're we're not going to get Star Wars breaking bad edition anytime soon. Right. (laughs) It it does seem like something though that works really well on paper. Like the screenplay probably of that scene was very cool. Of Darth Vader sets this trap up to make Ben Kenobi feel the pain he felt in the lava mm-hmm. planet, and then that's what leads to their escape. But the way it's filmed doesn't really set up that insurmountable, you know, pass that Darth Vader can't cross to get to Ben in the end. Yeah. But I, I see what you're saying. There's a certain naivety that you need, uh, this kid's innocence that you can bring to the show, and you don't need to be too critical of it. It's fire. He can't cross it. He's he's safe now. <laughs> Let's move on. 
speaking of a certain level of naivety, uh, it reminded me that I think it's the fifth brother or whatever his name is. Um, fifth fourth or something. Yeah. Uh, the guy from Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Uh, when he Han. turns around and finds out that Obi-Wan has gone within 45 seconds, and he goes, now we'll never find him. And it's like, are you serious, dude? This is the closest you've been to him in a decade. And he's injured and being hunted by Darth Vader and, like, very clearly is, like, probably at his most vulnerable point in a long time. And you're just immediately like, well, he's gone forever. It's like, what the... What's wrong with you, man? He's definitely a wet towel on Riva's, you know, rampage to get Kenobi. Every single turn, he's just like, you're terrible. You can't do this. Why are you even trying? You're not following the rules. Well, we'll you never need, get Kenobi. Well, you need a little bit of a wet towel to balance out her drywall. <laughs> well, she, she's going to kill him real Oh, yeah. Hard she's going to kill everybody. Show, right? She's going to kill everybody, then Darth Vader's going to kill her. That's how it's got to happen. Yeah, I still think she's going to sacrifice herself to save either Obi-Wan or Leia um, as some sort of redemption act. Um, which maybe leads us right into episode four, um, which I don't know about you guys, but while I was watching episode four of Obi-Wan, I, I couldn't help but just think, this is just a new hope. They're doing a new hope, but a TV series, uh, a TV show episode, mm-hmm. a version of a new hope. Where you've got Ben Kenobi sneaking on to the bad guy's spaceship and tricking guards left and right and breaking in to save the princess. And then they get out to the to the landing bay and they're about to leave, but they get trapped. Mm. And then the bad guys let them get away and put a tracking device on the ship. Like, it was very much a new hope. Um, which So I started doing some research um, to see if anybody else agreed with me. And I've talked about Ryan Airy multiple times in this podcast. If if it's the last thing I do, I will get him on this show. Um, but he pointed out in one of his breakdown videos um, that episode that the first four episodes of the show have very much mirrored the Star Wars movies, where Episode One is set in Tatooine. Um, it's about a kid that's kidnapped or a kidnapped child that needs saving. Episode two is set in a water planet, and they have to go underground to a to a neon underworld to get answers and to get information. And a great loss occurs um, for the good guys. Episode three is a huge battle between Obi Wan and Anakin, and one of them gets burned really badly, but still gets away to survive. Episode four, Obi Wan is on the bad guy spaceship. Everything I basically just said. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. That these episodes so far at least have somewhat mirrored the first four movies, episodes one through four of the Star Wars saga. And I wonder if that will continue. If episode five of Obi-Wan starts off and they're on a, on a wintry space planet yeah. and with, with the weird grizzly bear thing, um, <laughs> the tauntauns and all, then I would be like, yeah, that's yeah. for sure a, I'll freak out a if good I see a parallel. Oh, yeah. I thought they smelled well, I thought that, that was pretty outside. cool. <laughs> I was pretty excited when I saw the speeders show up. In, yeah, the snow uh, speeders. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, and he said these aren't these aren't weapons. These are. Only used for taking I can't remember what the, the line was. Yeah, yeah, and that kind of gives you the thought that like Obi Wan is the one who 
basically gave them the game plan to take down the Ty Walker. ATAT. Yeah, I love that they're like, oh, we only use it to take out the garbage. But also, it has plasma cannons on the front of it. So, like, <laughs> But also, there are guns. You never know. Taking out the garbage can be a risky excursion from time to time. Yeah. Um, what, what I was pretty on board with Reba's character in episode four. I thought she did a pretty good job yeah. during a scene that was got to be pretty difficult to sell, which is you interrogating a 12-year-old or an eight-year-old, <laughs> however old Leia is. Like, that's got to be really difficult to be a menacing force. But she does a good job of, like, trying to trick her, trying to persuade her while also being, you know, an inquisitor, not dropping her guard, not you know, like losing any strength or force in this, in the uh, situation. And then at the end, she's like, no, I'm not being played by you. We're going straight to torture. I was right. really impressed. And I, and I think I'm going to be a Reva fan by the end of episode six. I just think her character arc has been a lot slower of a build. Yeah. Are there only six episodes? Has that been confirmed? Yeah, thank God. Because if you're like mirroring the movie, thing holds up yeah, i don't want to see seven yeah. eight and nine i'd rather see no, four and a half two. before i see seven eight and nine um which i hope four and a half is just me learning more about the loader droid and it's voiced by alan tudyk <laughs> that's what i want uh, i, I will say that if... go ahead no nah, i was gonna do a lion king one and a half joke cool. i don't think it's worth it Continue. uh i would say in that same scene you were talking about drew uh where reva is interviewing young leia and i laughed out loud when she's like just holding her hand at her and leia goes are we having a staring contest <laughs> that was amazing I, I i will say y'all mentioned earlier that like why doesn't reva just mind read every single person she comes across the star wars it really hints at it every once in a while, but if you're strong will, you can't be force manipulated as easily. And so, like, the reason she doesn't force read uh, Uncle Owen's brain is probably because she recognizes he's a pretty strong willed person. Um, I just like to let to be known going forward. Sure. Yeah. There you go. Uh, noted. Uh, also, Roken, the guy who plays um, the commander of the ship that Obi-Wan gets on, when he came on the screen, I was like, that dude looks so much like Ice Cube. Oh, yeah, O'Shea but Jackson Jr. I'm pretty Jr. sure that's not Ice yeah, Cube. Yeah, yeah, the guy from Straight So O'Shea Compton. Jackson Jr. It was bothering me the whole episode, so I finally looked it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. he's from Straight Outta Compton, yeah. where he played And he Ice did great. I, I, think, uh, I mean, he, I thought he, he was, was only too, in yeah. two scenes in this episode, and I thought he did great. I, he did a great job of portraying real emotion and actual backstory can y'all explain that i appreciated little... out of something i'm not getting out of all the characters <laughs> Fair enough. which i think that's the difference in storytelling is when you know you've only got this character for two or three scenes yeah. you've got to really pack a lot of emotion and storytelling and background right. into there when you've got a character for hundreds of scenes over six hours there, you've got time to develop it, and you've got time to see why this person is just angry and upset. Yeah. And I think they're doing a good job with her character, third sister, because I care more about her now than I did at the beginning, right. and hopefully it continues. Uh, but I think that it's getting better, and I think that's I think there's a big reveal coming or a big sacrifice, so, which would be Vader's sacrifice in Episode Six. I think a lot of her character development 
is sacrificed for a reveal later on. Yes, I'm with you. And I think that's sad because I don't think you need to do that, but I, I get it. This is not a main character. This is not a Darth Vader-level character where you um, can sidetrack the whole show for three episodes to go on a, a trip for. But I, I do think that there's a reveal they're waiting to explain why she's so angry in episode one, why she's so, you know, kind of unlikable at first, and then... But as we peel back some layers, I'm starting to see her as a real character, and I'm really... I'm, I'm in on it so far. I'm in on it as, as of episode four. Yeah. Anything else big from episode four y'all really liked? I, I really thought this was a fun episode just because of all the nods to A New Hope I, um, inside the ship. I feel like Obi-Wan's getting his stuff back together. He's starting to yeah. use the Force. He's bringing out his lightsaber. It seemed like the lightsaber wasn't quite as effective as it normally is. He hits a Stormtrooper like three times, and it's like the third lightsaber strike to the chest that yeah. it takes to take him down, which I feel like is an interesting way to explain that he's not as strong as he used to be. But really, it comes across like, did he not turn his lightsaber all the way up to a hundred percent? Like, why is, how does him not knowing how to use a lightsaber make it less cutty? Less, yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say i I had the same thought as well, and I also thought that uh, the little details they did with him and his lightsaber throughout this episode of, you know, as he's blocking laser shots, yeah. and you know, he's doing other things where uh, he doesn't have complete control over it i thought he did a great job acting this um just kind of pantomime in the moment of like i don't feel totally comfortable with this like i should and you could see it's a little bit of that knocking the rust off and but Mm -hmm. he's also hesitant of it like he's kind of keeping it away from him the only time he ever does anything kind of uh casual with it is there's one time he kind of like flips it around his arm uh which almost seemed like an unconscious movement because he turned away to like talk to leia and he did it over his arm and i made note of the fact that it's like okay when he's thinking about it he's rigid he's mechanical he's untrusting of it but then the moment he looks away it's like just muscle memory takes over yeah. yeah There was, I think it's either the scene right before that, the scene right after that. He had just like stabbed the stormtrooper, and then like afterwards, as the body falls to the ground, he does his little lightsaber whip thing, his little I don't know what you'd call it, uh, but that he did in the prequels. And then he kind of like his feet kind of sets his feet shoulder with the part and like does a little circle thing with the lightsaber. It's like ah, he's back. Yeah. <laughs> and then he pulls out his gun and starts shooting people at the end. I was like, no, nope, yeah. Not so yet. at the end of the episode, when he defaults to his blaster as opposed to his lightsaber, uh, I think still shows his hesitancy to like, I'm not right. this guy. I don't want to be this guy. I don't trust this guy. Um, so I Which like those little is... things that they're not overstating it. They're just subtly working it into the context and letting the viewer take it from there. Which is, uh, I think, if y'all would run with me on this paralleling of the episodes to the movies for a second, that would put episode five of being Obi-Wan really gets the feel for the lightsaber now, and he can fight again, and he's going to go off and try to win the battle on his own. And there's going to be a shocking reveal, which I'm going to say is the third sister was a Padawan, or a youngling, and Order 66 happened, and he didn't come and save her. So she's pissed now, mm-hmm. which would lead to episode six being 
um, she sacrifices herself and saves Obi-Wan um, against Darth Vader. Uh, I think that would be the parallels between episodes five and six and the TV and show. And I also think on the parallels, it would be Qui-Gon Jinn showing up to him as the blue ghost in episode five, yeah. as opposed... And it's going to be the blurry, kind of in the background, not very helpful, <laughs> just like saying one yeah. phrase, go to Dagobah. Like, you know, it's going to be Qui-Gon yeah, Jinn yeah. being like, She's a Padawan, you know, like drifting off into the background. Um, I think there will be something like that as well, where he finally connects to uh, a spiritual Jedi that he's been trying to find. Nice. Um, I'm not enough of a Star Wars fan to have gotten all the Easter eggs in the Jedi tomb on Inquisitorium. Um, but that was a pretty cool reveal of that this tower, like, we don't know what its purpose is. We know that they're keeping a dark secret, and it's just bodies of Jedis. And possibly a, a uh, one of the sisters of, um, oh. I'm not sure they're all Jedis. I think a lot of them are just, uh, anti-Empire people. Yeah. Or, or Jedi I sympathizers. I think that they are Jedi because in the Mandalorian, you see that they are they are housing or whatever. They've got bodies of force sensitive people because mm-hmm. they're trying to clone them. I believe in the Mandalorian season two. Right. For, I yep. think this is trying to build on that idea where they've got force sensitive people mm-hmm. and they're trying to clone them to create like a clone troopers kind of thing, but with force people. Your, gotcha. your Ryan, your Ryan Airy guy mentioned um, one of them might be one of the sisters that's. From Darth Maul's planet, and I, I can't remember oh, yeah. their name. The Vashanti or something. Yeah, well, Asaz Ventress is one of them. She's like the okay. Count Dooku's Padawan. Um, there's some really great stories in the Clone Wars with them about Asaz Ventress and Darth Maul when he's coming back. There's some really cool stuff, and they're a really unique Force-sensitive, uh, for lack of a better word, Force in the Star Wars universe. Um, I like them. They're not a Sith. They're not a Jedi, but they're kind of more on the evil side, but a little bit in between. So I thought it was yeah. interesting that maybe one of them showed up in the tomb. That was pretty cool. For all of its flaws, this show is doing a pretty good job of bridging the gap between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, as well as the Clone Wars TV shows and whatever other TV shows and what we've seen live action. And I think that they're actually setting the ground, too, for this universe to take off in different areas where you'll get more Mandalorian stuff and more Boba Fett stuff and stuff that's not necessarily associated with the Skywalkers um, by bringing all the stuff to live action with Ahsoka and all that. Yeah. Um, so I think they're doing some pretty cool stuff and they're keeping it all in the past too, uh, which can get tricky because you yeah. can create yeah. plot holes real quick. And, and to piggyback off of that thought, I, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for any movie or TV show that tries to create something based off of a book or a comic book or, you know, some other source material that's already existed and has been beloved. And especially the longer that's been in existence, the harder it gets to break into that and be original because people will always hate it because they'll say, well, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I've been a fan of this for 30 years. And so, (laughs) especially when you get something like Star Wars that's, hey, this has been around since the 70s and has been beloved and has had so many iterations. It's got 
movies, TV shows, comic books, it's got animation, it's got video games, it's got whatever, and so much of it is canon, to say I'm going to pick something that happens right in the middle of it with very no. uh, well-known and main characters, you, you get yeah. really boxed into what you can do creatively. And so for them to yeah. make any kind of story that is compelling, dynamic, and interesting at all is a win. And I have actually been pretty impressed with this show just as itself as a show. And then I give it, you know, another 10% boost because it's got a lot of handicaps going against it saying, we all know that these characters existed beforehand and we know these Mm -hmm. characters existed, you know, afterwards. So go ahead and make me care about something in between, even though I already know what happens. And for them to take on that challenge, I think they're doing it well. Uh, you know, there's still several episodes to go. We'll see what happens. But so far, you know, I, there's been a couple of things that I've like, ah, that's not perfect. But they have so many things going against them that I've been very impressed overall. And you know, Obi Wan's gonna make it out of that fight <gasps> yeah. with Darth Vader. Spoilers, but they bro. did. <laughs> you know, he's got to. But they still did a really good job right. of inducing fear by hearing that lightsaber come on behind him. You're like, oh, mm, crap. Mm, mm. Um, so even though the st- you know where the stakes are, they still make them feel high. And they they do that by making you feel the character, right? They, they make you feel the importance of the character versus the importance of the story. At this point, we yeah. know Leia gets home. We know Obi-Wan you know, goes back to Tatooine. How they do that, I don't exactly know. But I do want to know how their characters change in the end. Yeah. That's what I'm most interested in. And they're doing a really good job with that with most of the characters. I did love the visuals of Episode 4, especially when they're on the base. And they're on the all-black everything. And yeah, first of all, the CGI looks so much better than it did in the 70s. It looks really cool. And then seeing the black and the reflection in the mirrors off the bottom and then the stark white yeah. of the stormtroopers coming across it's a very uh jarring visual and it's very captivating so i really love all of that uh i don't know what the word is for that i'm not i didn't study cinematography guys i'm just kind of a nerd uh but whatever that is it was very visually stunning i think juxtaposition no i've i've used that word before i don't think that's right <laughs> <laughs> the, no, I'm with you. The, it, and it felt so much like old school Star Wars. Yeah, that whole episode yeah. did. I mean, even to the little things of like seeing the little like, like little yeah, yeah. Little, I don't know, even know what it the is. Seeker droid, whatever it's called. The, yeah, but no, the little tiny one on the bottom. Um, oh yeah, yeah. No, that was yeah, in episode yeah. four that comes with the Chewbacca, and he's like, mm-hmm. and he's like, and it like runs away, like the little yeah. mouse droid, whatever that is. Uh, just even seeing that around, it's like, oh, thanks for the little nod to episode four. I know you guys like this, so like here it is. <laughs> no, yeah. Anything else you got on this episode four? Um, I liked that Obi Wan put the little mouth piece in, uh, just like episode oh, yeah. one or two or whatever it was at one, I think, when they're sw- mm-hmm. swimming to the Gungan little island. They were using the little uh, walkie-talkie yep. thing from New Hope. And, yeah. man, can Obi-Wan just, like, not keep his cool? Like, ever. Not one time. 
in episode yeah. three and four. Like he just snaps at Leia out of nowhere. Like people aren't always good, Leia. And it's like nobody brought that up, dude. Uh, when you know you're in you're undercover in enemy mm-hmm. territory, and you have an open walkie-talkie uh-huh. radio thing to your other person who is also undercover in enemy territory, uh-huh. why would you yell out? Basically saying, we are undercover in enemy territory. Where are you? What's the plan to get out of this Hey, what's your real first name? I'm going to say it out loud for everybody. And also, where are you right now? Say it. Give me the exact coordinates. And then secondly, die. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that one one got me for sure. And then also, how can... I know the stormtroopers are dumb and they can't hit stuff. And like, they're just bad at their jobs in general. But at one point, Obi-Wan was like, oh, shoot. And then, like, jumped up, like, in the, like, little side corridor. And then not, but one second later, two stormtroopers come walking down that straight hallway. And I don't know. It's like they didn't turn a corner. They didn't, like, they weren't walking backwards. It's like, right. what's the difference between them seeing 20 feet and 25 feet? Like, they should have been able to see him. I don't know. It just uh, made me sad for all stormtroopers. Like, they're just guys punching a clock, getting a paycheck. Like, you know, I don't think they're out there hunting babies and killing Jedi's. You know, they're just like they're just <laughs> they're just regular guys that think the Empire's bringing order to the universe, and they signed up. You know, they probably saw an army recruiter that called their little hut and Tatooine when they were 15 years old. They're like, "Mom, I'm joining the stormtroopers," and she was like, "Don't do that. You're gonna regret it. You need to go to farming school like your dad did." And he's like, "You can't tell me what to do." And then he signed up and he got a great pension. And then like he's just walking down a hallway one day. And then all of a sudden, because he's just talking to his buddy, he gets a he gets a lightsaber four times to the back of the neck because the guy doesn't know how to use it. Like that sucks. That sucks for John over there. Like ah, uh, <laughs> I feel bad for TK one four eighty nine. Like he should have. He was just a guy, just doing a job. He didn't know he worked for a big bad overlord with the name John. And all because his mom didn't get to the phone fast enough, you know? Like, you're going to get a lightsaber to the back of the neck because <laughs> he just answered some Empire recruiting billboard? That sucks. <laughs> that sucks for all TKs everywhere. Oh, my god! And before you know it, your cousin's getting his head beat in by an Ewok, you know? And, like, everybody's bad. Everybody's bad. <sighs> <laughs> But that's oh, all I really man. had about episode four. Oh, was that it? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, the, the stunning visuals and the mistreatment of Stormtroopers. So it's fine. <laughs> well, if there's anything we missed, feel free to reach out to us at ntpodpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at ntpodpodcast. Thank you for listening. These are not the droids you're looking for. Oh!